There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports. Rather, it's positive or negative. Minnesota Sports Chat has you covered. Talking nothing but Minnesota sports all year long. It's time now for the soon-to-be award-winning, if only in his own mind, Minnesota Sports Chat with your host, Ross Brendel. And here we go with edition number 183 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat award-winning, if only in my own mind, presented in part by my friends at Beans Coffee Company. Head to coffeebybeans.com, use that promo code SPORTSCHAT, save a little bit of money on some fantastic coffee at checkout. We'll actually hear more from Beans Coffee Company towards the conclusion of this pod. The Golden Gopher Football Review and preview edition because we're contractually obligated to do so in just moments with Daniel House from Gophers Guru and Daniel House MN on the X machine. I remembered it. Proud of myself. As we get as we get rolling, a reminder slash a ask slash perhaps just begging to rate and review Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you tell your family and friends all about the pod and don't forget now available on the YouTube machine. Just search for Minnesota Sports Chat. Subscribe, enjoy, comment. You know the drill if you're into the YouTube thing. And if you're listening in the Scornor Taxi Squad feed, I encourage you, please subscribe to Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is that you get your pods. Bryant now under center. Two Porter pushes his way across the goal line for the Wildcat touchdown. Northwestern just moving down the field. Bryant, good footwork. How about Kurtz? Touchdown. What a night. Northwestern's got to find the end zone to extend this game. Bryant pump fake into the end zone. It's caught. A.J. Henning keeps the Wildcats' hopes alive. Northwestern wins the game with a touchdown. Rolling out. Boot action. Bryant all alone. Northwestern the catch is made. Manchuri with the game winner. Down 21. Down three scores. And the Cats' comeback is complete. There's usually three things after a loss, especially like that, that you really dissect. Uh, is it scheme? Is it personnel? Is it coaching? Uh, I evaluate every game that way. Win or lose. But when things happen like that, you really evaluate it. And uh, it was a combination of all three. So uh, there's not one single person to blame for that. you got to give Northwestern a lot of credit. Uh, they found a way to win in a very tough circumstance. And uh, we weren't able to make enough plays on the offense, defense, or special teams. And it cost us. Uh, that's the thing about football. As, uh, the ball's not round. Sometimes it doesn't bounce your way. Sometimes things don't, don't go your way. And sometimes you don't make your own way. And uh, we weren't able to do that in, in the fourth quarter which is incredibly disappointing. Thanks to Big Ten Network for those highlights. Thanks to Gopher Sports on YouTube for the head coach, PJ Fleck, sound from earlier this week. Thanks to always as Daniel House from GophersGuru.com. I'm really struggling with my words this morning. Maybe I'm just still not over what we saw last Saturday <laughs> night between the Gophers and Northwestern. Maybe I haven't had enough beans coffee in me. Daniel House, it is great to see you. 
Uh, your thoughts on that lovely montage we just heard, thanks to BTN and Go for Sports on YouTube. I tell you what, this week has been something else. Just the end of the game and the experience getting into the stadium in Northwestern, that's a whole nother story. And then getting the game happens, they blow the lead, and then you go down to the concourse and you can't get to the media route because there's water leaking out of the, the ceiling. They've got a piece of wood holding up the top of the the, the cement piece. And then uh, I damaged my dress, my favorite pair of dress shoes. So I'm oh, like, no, this, this day is this day is something else. But yeah, what a wild game. You look at some of the themes of it, Ross, uh, the defense made a ton of mistakes. And then the other thing that's not being discussed is the offense. Their inability to sustain drives in the second half put a lot of pressure on the defense, too. I mean, you look at those first three drives out of the half, 119, 205, 111. And then sandwiched in between there, you got a six-minute drive where the defense is on the field for a while. Three and out, defense gets off the field in four plays. Offense goes run, 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 11-play drive, boom, there you go. I mean, it's just like... The, the the offense has to help out the defense, and then the special teams has to make a play at the end, and they can't do it. Yeah, and in the fourth quarter, Daniel, it really was the definition of snowball. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong. Just things off the top of my head. You get a big face mask penalty when you've made a big stop. Face masks in that situation, they just kind of happen. Really tough to blame somebody, but really unfortunate it happens at that moment. And I'm just going off the top of my head in no particular order. Third and nine, Northwestern quarterback guy scrambles for Ted. You know, you just, you can't let that happen. Third and short, they hit a tight end in the flat who then runs for 10, 15 yards to get a first down. Well, yeah, and then you miss the tackle there in space. Yes. The clock's going to run twice in those two plays right at the end of the game. You know, you're you're missing tackles that, you know, the clock would continue to run. Uh, and then, you know, Ball almost had the sack too. Uh, on the on the play, the last almost second to last play and regulate. I mean, it's just like just so many mistakes there, man. You me- you mentioned the the uh, downed punt that was downed, but a couple yards into the end zone, Daniel. Then you have things like I don't know a three play drive that goes eighty plus yards in mere seconds. That's not good. That was the moment I knew we were really in trouble. That was when it really felt like the game turned, and it didn't matter that you were maybe playing a Northwestern squad that you think is just normal Northwestern, they found something and they were feeling good about themselves. And it's incredible what momentum can do. And you noticed it, Daniel, to your point early on in the third quarter in that first three and out, the defense for Northwestern makes a stop. They're jacked up. The game kind of turned a little bit at that point, but really turned in the fourth quarter. I still don't quite know what to make of it. Initially, Daniel, uh, the loss was bad. Like initially in the moment, it was bad. It wasn't until after the game when I really started thinking about it that it is, I think it's worse than I initially thought. Just as far as just, I don't, my expectations for this team weren't what other people's were. Okay. My expectations were six and six, seven and five. Part of that six and six, seven and five math was Northwestern. But You blow a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter to a team that seemingly for three quarters, at least on offense, didn't really do anything well. (laughs) Couldn't get the ball more than 10 yards downfield no matter what they did. Weren't even trying to get the ball more than 10 yards downfield. 
So to blow that alone and basically if you give them the first touchdown with 12.05 remaining, that's a pretty incredible feat to do. And there's been other bad losses in Gopher football history. And I don't think this one's going to have quite the crippling effect because I don't think it's going to end up in the long run costing them going to the Big Ten West. That doesn't mean you still can't look at this and objectively say that's a really bad loss. It's a brutal loss. And now you just wonder slash hope the team can recover from it and still play some pretty good football and be competitive here in the final eight games of the season, because that's the type of loss that can really send you spiraling. And Oh, by the way, we'll get into it. Your non-conference opponent this weekend for homecoming, which I don't really agree with would be nice if it was a, a big 10 team, but they're a pretty good football team better mm-hmm. than Northwestern. So mm-hmm. you get your hands full. Yeah, I I go back and look at that game, and I felt throughout the first half like something felt off still. Even though they had a big lead, there were leaky edge sets, some missed tackles here or there, just not tightly defending things up. Uh, there was a lot of penalties that Northwestern had. They had an OPI. They had, you know, per, I believe like a personal foul, a couple holding penalties that backed up those drives, and. The offense, I thought, played very well in the first half. Efficient early down splits. Then you go to the second half, not as efficient on early down. So then you're getting into second and long, third and long, and that creates big problems offensively. And then, like I said, not being able to sustain those drives. You get the defense on the field. This is the fourth time in the Joe Rossi era the defense was on the field for more than 80 snaps in a game. They're on the field for 77 the previous week. And on that three-play drive you mentioned, it's just zone drop stuff. It's it's guys got to figure out, you know, especially those linebackers that don't have a lot of experience where they need to be in those zone windows. You got that speed cut on the first play against zone. You got the man coverage uh, fade down the sideline, just a good ball. And then, you know, the third one is just a situation where, you know, uh, you get in a spot where, you know, people are trying to make a play and maybe overcompensating a bit. Your depth of your drop as a middle linebacker has got to be in the right spot. Hit that seam shot, and and it w- the rest was history. And then in, at the end of regulation, again, attacking up that seam, you got a safety biting on that fade, and it, expected to have help. Darius Green's expecting to have help on in-breaking route there, and it wasn't there, and results in a in a touchdown. So it's just lapses in in you know, details, tackling, and then offensively not being able to execute at that level that they did in the first half, which I thought Ethan played a lot better throughout the whole course of the game. I thought they made some good adaptations schematically that you can read about on the website that that were very beneficial for him. The website, gophersguru.com. Uh, one thing the coach mentioned in his weekly presser was on those drops that you talked about, Daniel. Uh, he was very clear. He thought the team played very hard, that it wasn't it wasn't like Northwestern came back because the Gophers let up or there was a, a letdown in that sense. It was more of just not doing the right things. And one thing he brought up a couple times at the weekly presser was maybe just being a yard or so or a foot or two off in in your drops. So my question to you, how much of that is inexperience and how much of that is coaching? I mean, I got to imagine it's, it's a little bit of both, but predominantly is most of that experience at the end of the day, the coach puts it on himself. He always does. He says, it's our job to make sure that they're doing the things they're supposed to be doing 
But if you have limited experience, I think it's really easy to get lost in the moment when things are snowballing on you. I believe that some of it's related, almost all of it's related to the experience level and the guys playing together out there. There's some communication lapses. Things were not on the same page, echoing back calls, just doing things that Minnesota's defense normally executes. And I don't think people are really talking about the loss of Cody Lindenberg enough. Like when you have Mariano Sorimarin, who is the heartbeat mind of that defense, getting everybody lined up, making adjustments, doing all the little things that make that defense tick, and you're going, Cody Lindenberg has been developed and built up. You know, he's learned all those things he needs to to execute this defense at a high level. And then you don't have him, and you've got Maverick Baranowski in there, a second-year player that you know, is is trying to do a whole bunch of different things, learn how to play, understand the defense, communicate, seeing different looks that he hasn't witnessed before. Like that loss of Cody Lindenberg in these past two games has been just costly. I mean, it when you have that defense built around the zone drops and, and you know, tightening those windows up and limiting the explosive play, you got to have uh, quality linebackers. And I'm not saying Mav, Mav will get there. He needs the experience, but it is a huge factor, the experience level. I don't see schematic issues as a guy that watched football. I don't see a ton of schematic issues. Maybe there's some tweaks they can make because of what they have out there right now. But I have I have confidence in Rossi to figure that out. I think it's it the personnel's just got to get figured out. When do we expect to see Lindenberg back in a meaningful role? And I guess I would ask the same thing about Chris Ottman Bell, who we saw again on the field at Evanston. Uh, but he just looks gimpy, Daniel. He he looks he mm-hmm. looks gimpy and, and he looks slow. I mean, hindsight being twenty twenty, I would question why he was even playing this past Saturday because he he didn't provide a lot. Maybe they were just trying to have him out there as a bit of a decoy. But if everybody knows you can't move around a ton, I don't know how much of a decoy that is. And now maybe you're dealing with a bruised. I think what is established the, to be the number one running back. So the injuries are stacking up a little bit, or at the very least, guys just haven't maybe gotten back as quick as we had all hoped that they would. And that's another issue as you start to turn the corner to really playing from here on out, Daniel, the best teams you'll play all year. Nebraska's behind you. You escaped with a victory. Eastern Michigan's behind you. You dominated but didn't play all that well. Northwestern, the easiest Big Ten team you'll play all year. They just beat you. So there's a lot of things stacking up against you right now so to me it's very important to get guys back healthy but you also don't want to rush it because that could inhibit what you're trying to do later in the season but somehow some way I expect Saturday will be a lot closer than people want it to be at the end of the day if your hope is for this team to still win six plus games and have a fun season and compete with some of the bigger boys that they're going to play as the season goes on you got to find a way to leave with the victory. You just can't lose on Saturday. You absolutely can't. Yeah, and and you didn't even mention Darius Taylor. He got hurt at the end of that game as well. We'll see what his status is with that running back room right now. I mean, Darius has been carrying the offense, playing at extremely high level. So if he's unable to go, that adds another dimension to this game, which I already I already had circled on the calendar as Louisiana is a very good Sun Belt team offensively running the ball efficiently right now offensive lines playing well they got two good backs a 
quarterback who replaced Ben Woolridge, who had a foot injury earlier in the season. They got uh, Zeon Chris, who is very dynamic with the ball in his hands, can scramble, can give you something in the quarterback run game. And then they're all 12 personnel heavy, you know, two tight end, uh, outside zone pistol type offense that runs the ball well. So you got to be able to play the run on first and second down. They've been staying on schedule offensively, get them backed up into those passing down situations. And then defensively, Louisiana's got fast personnel defensive defensively. Kendra Gant, linebacker, a very, very good player that jumps out on film. They run a lot of three safety looks. Uh, they'll be multiple with their fronts. you got three down front, four down front. They'll move people around. Uh, the secondary creates some challenges just because of the disguises they have, the different looks that they'll intertwine in some zone, some man. Like That's what I was asking Greg Harbaugh about at the press conference yesterday. I don't think the Gophers could have played more stylistically different defenses the first five weeks. I mean, you got that 3-3-5, the attacking mindset against Nebraska. You've got uh, Eastern Michigan with the cover one man coverage heavy defense. Um, you look at like last week, you got like more of a, a Tampa two cover three influence type of defense. You got North Carolina with the single high defense. And then this week now you've got this multiple heavy uh, Louisiana unique Louisiana defensive scheme that is going to create some challenges too. So this is a good football team from the Sun Belt that like you're going to have to play your top game. They have a lot to prepare for this week coming off a loss. Uh, it will be fascinating to see how they respond because this is going to be a nice challenge. Louisiana comes in at three and one as a program. They've been to five straight bowl games, so definitely not a pushover. We talked in the preseason about how. Uh, difficult this non-conference schedule could be. And so far, the Gophers are one and one. Hopefully they can get to two and one. I want to go back to one play in the Northwestern game. Then I want to ask you just a specific general, I guess, state of the program question. Northwestern in overtime, or excuse me, the Gophers get the ball to start in overtime. Third and goal after they get pushed back a little bit, they end up, it's a quarterback rollout pass to Brevin Span Ford incomplete. Uh, he was open, should have been a touchdown. I think the pass could have been better. He also could have caught it. Mm-hmm. What is happening with, I don't want to single out Brevin Span Ford, but every year we, excuse me, we kind of hear that it's going to be the year of Brevin Span Ford. And not to be mean, it never really has. And this year has been, it hasn't been a great start for him for uh, on multiple ways. He's he's getting covered more, which is a part of it. He's also had some dropsies, which is big. And uh, if the Gophers get that touchdown against Northwestern, who knows? It could be a different story. Maybe that maybe the Gophers end up winning. And you can't put the loss all on Brevin Span Ford. What I I guess what I'm wondering is what is happening there, and why can't why can't the Gophers get more explosiveness out of a guy that seemingly should be almost impossible to cover? Yeah, I would say some schematic attention his way as well. And then when plays are available and schemed up, they just haven't executed them. You know, you look at that tight end delay in the North Carolina game, you know, the ball is is altered by pressure and, you know, it's behind him. And if it's it's thrown in stride, it's probably a touchdown. And then, you know, you got one over the middle, a shallow cross in that game, a drop. And then this one, you got a drop uh, in the end zone, which you mentioned would have been a big play as well. So it comes down to execution at times. It comes down to, you know, how defenses are 
are preparing for uh, Brevin. I mean, there are a lot of different factors at play. And like you said, sometimes it's 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 the accuracy of the ball going to him. Um, it it's a lot of different things, but I would say, you know, there's a lot, there are a lot of expectations play placed on Brevin before the season started. And now it's like, you know, people are really wanting to to see him achieve at that at that next level. So we'll see how they adapt. Uh, PJ Fluck had a long meeting with Brevin Spanford. He was talking about uh, this week just to figure some things out, you know, have a conversation. They didn't really get into detail about what the conversation entailed, but I feel as if, you know, this, this could be the game where we see a spark from Brevin getting him involved in creative ways, coming up with uh, some solutions to potentially, you know, fix some of the things that may be going on there. You've heard me say this numerous times, Daniel, as have people who consume this pod at this point in the PJ Fleck regime and the University of Minnesota period, I think they should be a, a team that goes to a bowl game every year. I'm not saying they should be nine and three, 10 and two every year, but I definitely think the expectation should be that you go six and six every year at bare minimum. I still think even with the loss to Northwestern, this team can do that. There is some potential meat on the bone with conference opponents, Purdue, Illinois, Michigan state, Louisiana, not a conference opponent, but there's four winnable games right there. Illinois, or excuse me, Iowa is not unbeatable. Should they be favored to beat you? Absolutely. Wisconsin is not unbeatable. Should they be favored to beat you? Probably. There is a path here to still win six plus games. So I'm not super negative on the, on the season. I do need to see how it plays out. A part of the reason why I'm not super negative, Daniel, but I am still frustrated if this makes any sense is Mm -hmm. there is seemingly one clunker or two for the gopher football team every year that you just can't explain. And I think maybe Mm -hmm. some people would explain it and say it's college kids, it's college athletes to a degree. I get that. But some of these games that the gophers have either flat out no showed or lost don't make any sense to me. And I'll throw out the first couple years of the program, the first year or two, it, to me, you're building something. When yeah. this when this thing really turned and they finished six and six and went to the quick lane bowl and beat Georgia, that's kind of where I started compiling this list from. I even got through 2019 because 2019 was a great magical year. You would have liked to have seen it, I think, pay off with the trip to Indy and the Big Ten mm-hmm. West title. But, hey, you still went to a New Year's Day bowl and you won it and you beat a pretty good team. However, since 2020, and I know it's the COVID year, I really don't count it, but there is one game worth circling, Daniel, blowing another huge fourth quarter lead to Maryland at home and losing that game 45 to 44 in overtime. I believe the Gophers missed an extra point to end that game, if I remember correctly. Fast forward to 2021, there's two inexplicable losses. There's the Bowling Green loss you lose at home 14 to 10. Still can't make sense of what happened on that day. And then Illinois, a team that a year later turned out to compete for the Big Ten West, but not that year. You lost at home 14-6. to You looked incapable on offense in two games at home against teams you should beat. Fast forward to 2022. Uh, have your guard up for this Saturday. The borderline no-showing taking on Purdue at homecoming and just having a very lackadaisical effort. A game that did end up costing you the Big Ten West. This year... Completely different for the most part. 
the Gophers played fairly well at times against Northwestern. Somehow lost a game they absolutely shouldn't. Going into the game, everybody would say you should win this game. Then when you're leading 31-10 to 10 to start the fourth quarter, you absolutely should win the game. How How is this happening year in and year out, just inexplicable losses like this? Because this, these are the losses, Daniel, that do slow the progression of your program and do, I don't want to say set you back, but... I think PJ would like those four or five wins on his overall win record. I think the team would like those as far as bowl placement and where you play and where you get. And I'm not saying you can't have bad losses. They happen. It's sports. I, mm-hmm. I do. I do, sure. I do. I do agree with the balls not round. Sometimes you don't get breaks, but these losses are stacking up and it's a yearly problem. And, and at some point you got to break through that. I've made the joke. For years before Clemson really turned the corner, people said they were Clemsoning. Every year they'd have a crippling loss or two that you couldn't make sense of. The last three or four seasons of Gopher football, Daniel House, we're getting Gophering. There's just a game <laughs> every year that you cannot explain. However, I do trust this coaching staff enough. That might be the only clunker. They may find a way to go four and four here down the stretch or maybe surprise us all and go five and three. I really don't think that that's likely, but I wouldn't rule this team out from finishing six and six and getting some extra practice time and putting another bowl game on their ledger. But I guess I'm just more perplexed as to how these things keep happening. Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, it's one of those things too, where you, you look at the program and where it's at and you, you, you reflect back and you go, okay, maybe a couple of these games end differently. Your ball placement looks a lot different. Sometimes it's just the game, you know, like things don't go right. Other times it's like, okay, you know, execution didn't have maybe the best plan, uh, some situational lapses. I mean, that's been the case in a few of these games where it's come down to, you know, decisions that you have to make over the course of a game. Uh, exotic schemes that maybe could have been attacked a little bit differently. Um, you know, now, like you said, it's all about response. They, they've they always shown the ability when they've had these clunkers to get things put back together and improve over the course of the season. Like that's definitely been the case for the most part when they've had these type of performances. So how do they respond back after a game where, you know, it was it, it was an emotional deal. I mean, you look at everybody coming off the field after that game in Northwestern. And All se- oh, sorry. I thought you meant the 75 fans who were still there that <laughs> that rushed the field. And that's another issue that I have. You let a team come back on you when half their crowd had been had left. They weren't even there. There's never well, funny. there's never an atmosphere there to begin with. And then there was less of an atmosphere. And you could you could tell it on TV. And after the game, you could see it. I mean, and not to be mean, Daniel, but you do laugh at it like it's funny. And then you see James Franklin this week. Did you see this? They're practicing with no sound. They're trying to simulate yeah. the atmosphere of Ryan Field. There's no music, it no is, nothing. It is unique. <laughs> you got to have that like rar of the of the wildcat. Rawr. I, I was getting that that thing was that was pretty good sound effect actually that that thing just drives me insane but yeah i mean it's football there it things happen that are crazy all the time but you know when you look at when you look at the themes now it's like internally you have to go okay why every year are you having these type of situations we don't know from the outside you know we have no idea what's going into you know some of the logistics of these games 
Why is that happening? I would say there's some things that maybe could be tweaked that could have a positive development. So we'll see how they approach this next game. And it's not going to be an easy one. That That's the thing here, Ross, is this game, I'm telling people right now, this is not going to be an easy game at all. No, I haven't looked at the ESPN matchup predictor because it failed us last week. Although we should have known when ESPN told us that Northwestern had almost a 43% chance at winning. Okay, two, uh, two very quick final points. Uh, the, the first one that I want to start with is just kind of a, a general question. You talk to him weekly. You uh, run into his boss. Sounds like you ran into him at Evanston. So I don't really want to put you on the hot seat. But percent chance, and maybe I'll let you handle this a different. I'll, you know, I'm not even going to handle it the way that could potentially get you in hot water. Here's what I will say. How high on Michigan State's list is P.J. Flack? I assume he's on it. I, I would say he's. I would say he's on it. Okay. I would say he's on it. Well, then, I, then, I, say, then I will ask you the follow up. The follow up is percent chance that he's their coach next season. I I don't think he will be, but I think he will be in the mix. I think he will be in the mix for it possibly, just because Michigan State's job is attractive in the sense that like they've been to the col- to, in the college football playoff before, like conversation. And, you know, they have the resources, they have brand new facility. Uh, they have, a you know, a lot of resources there. Uh, you know, PJ's been in Michigan before. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm sure that that Michigan State's definitely going to vet him as part of the process. I could see Elko ending up there. Yeah, I've seen uh, I've can- seen that name Candle a lot. Out of, Candle out of Toledo, I'd say, is a name to keep an eye on, too. Uh I just I don't think Fleck will ultimately end up with it, but I do think that he'll probably end up potentially being in the conversation for it. All right. And in closing, how do you feel about the head coach? I think it's a little out of context, but how do you feel about the head coach uh, basically telling the fans, uh, step up and pony up or we're going to lose some players here to NIL? I, I, I don't think he's entirely wrong. I just don't know how you go about landing that money. Although I did see as a gray duck, we can all go get hammered and support dinky town athletes. <laughs> so, so maybe if we all buy an incredible amount of booze, we can field the world's greatest college football team. You got to be creative in this landscape. It It is unique. You talk to people in the business and the things you hear about where this thing is tracking, how it's going. PJ's not wrong in the sense that if you want to remain competitive, you got to find ways to bring in revenue Uh, in this landscape so we'll see how it tracks moving forward but minnesota fans are definitely gonna need to step up in this new world that we live in what is at gophersguru.com a breakdown of the last game a detailed couple thousand words videos talking about some of the things that minnesota can tighten up and fix heading into the next game then get ready for the game preview going inside what louisiana has to offer and how Minnesota can slow down their rushing attack. Thanks, bud. I appreciate it. We will review Louisiana next week and preview a date with mighty Michigan next Saturday night. Daniel temperatures in the mid forties next Saturday. Let's go. Are you serious? I'm serious. Forties and fifties next Saturday, eighties no this weekend. Let's go. Summer, Man, get out of here. Hear that. Summer, get out of here. Thanks, bud. Oh, wow. Thank appreciate you, buddy. It. 
That's Daniel House at Daniel House MN on the Twitter machine. I am at the Ross Brendel on that Twitter and X machine. We'll talk again in this feed next week. Stick around momentarily. I told you last week some exciting stuff happening with my friends at Beans Coffee Company. We're going to talk about it in just moments. Thank you so much for consuming Minnesota Sports Chat each and every pod. As promised, a special segment with my friends from Beans Coffee Company, coffeebybeans.com. As always, don't forget that promo code SPORTSCHAT to save you a little cash at checkout. John Michaels, Clay Sharkey from Beans Coffee Company. How are you boys doing? You're looking nice and chipper. Thank you. We dress to match every day. Yeah, John didn't give me an option. I had to wear this shirt, so I matched him. And if I was... If I was smart, I would have done the same thing. But my uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers have a big game tonight in the Canadian Football League, so I'm uh, I'm ready for that. There are I have teased, yeah, make my other country proud. I have teased for a couple episodes now that there's some big things happening with Beans Coffee Company, and I'll let either John or Clay take it away and share some of the big news that is happening. All right. Well, yeah, our big news is that um, we're actually going to go and have a physical space. So it's been something that people have been asking for about us since really the beginning, uh, which is when are you guys going to have an actual coffee shop? Um, and then we actually had one kind of fall into our laps a little bit. One of our existing customers um, decided she wanted to kind of move towards retirement. Um, and she yeah, has enjoyed working with us so much that we were her one and only call. And uh, then we were able to get going on it. So I'm excited for me because I'm going to show up there unbeknownst to you guys one day and do a podcast at a date to be determined when it makes sense. But I think this has to be super exciting for you two and the entire team just because it's kind of an affirmation of what you have been doing with the online store and the pop-up shops and the trailer. Because, uh, look, as I've joked before, obviously I'm going to say I love the coffee because there's a little bit of skin in the game for me but I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't like it. And it is, if I can say it, it's really damn good. And I know the people that have tried it also think the same thing. So let's talk about that because I think how you guys got started is a great story. And I do want people to know that. So if either one of you wants to handle that and how it all kind of came together, I think that would be fun to spend a couple moments on. Yeah, I think uh, spend what, 10 years? Something like that. About that, depending, you know, don't don't ask the state of Minnesota. But uh, Eric, who's not here today. Um, Which who wouldn't have fit in the in this area? And no. he would be standing extremely close if he was here too. He's some, not enough either. Some would say this worked out well. And, and for the for people that are listening in audio form, if you watch on YouTube, you can see the uh, nice confined space that John and Clay are confined to right now. But it fits. You got all the you got all the mixes behind you, a lot of coffee paraphernalia if i can say that so it looks good but let's yeah let's let's talk about how this all came together yeah eric and clay just kind of met each other and decided that uh being in the same banking industry they should probably start a coffee company and uh, they did that for a number of years yeah and, and like with us having an actual coffee shop that had always been one of the ultimate dreams um but what we kind of realized just with um, younger families uh and full-time jobs too that was just a leap at the time that we weren't willing to make. Um, but we figured that, or we figured that doing the roasting um, wholesale and through the internet um, kind of gave us a way to go and step into it. Um, so rather than jumping into a coffee shop with the unknowns of whether or not people are even going to show up, 
we're able to kind of start on the wholesale side, which is a lot easier to do nights, weekends, over lunch breaks, um, kind of build that clientele in more or less from our standpoint, you, we waited long enough so that the boat was closer enough, close enough to the dock before we take the leap. Um, and now since then we've got, you know, clientele built up and Deb, who's um, the prior owner of the space that we're in uh, is really helping us out in that she's already got an existing clientele base. They're already used to seeing our logos around and it should make for a pretty smooth transition. Let's talk about that physical space. Just exactly where is it? Cause the beauty of being a podcast, there are listeners all over the state. And if they're not currently in your city, we all travel, we all move about. I'm in your city a fair amount. So let's talk about that physical location where people can find it. Our physical address is 229 Belgrade Avenue, North Mankato, Minnesota. So we're just off of Highway 169 as you come into the, I would call it probably Midtown exit. Yeah. And so you think of like the, the main street area of North Mankato. That's right where we're at, right smack down in the middle of that. Boys, I, I don't want to pat your back too much, but I do want you to explain why your coffee is so fantastic. And for those that hear me talk about it all the time that have yet to order any coffee, why should they? What sets it apart? I know the roasting process is different. I know the things that you do is different. But what makes your coffee so dang great? Sure. And like the you mentioned kind of the two things. The other thing that's different about us, John's kind of a different guy. And so having that <laughs> there, no. a little bit of like extra to it, but you kind of love in every bag. There you go. But yeah, it, it really comes down to the, those two things that you mentioned, which the first one is the roasting process. Um, so when people think of like a coffee roaster, you know, they think of like the drum roaster they might see in like a Dunn Brothers or something. Um, and inside there, it's a self-contained system. There's a flame going and the, and the beans are tumbling in their own smoke um, inside of there. Now, coffee is a pretty porous substance and so then when it's tumbling inside its own smoke it's going to go and pick up a lot more of those toastier flavors to it um whereas us we do what's called fluid bed roasting which is kind of like just doing it with hot air um so think of like a giant industrial size hair dryer that's what our roasters more or less are and it shoots that superheated air into a pile of beans for a period of time roast it up but what ends up happening is since that air is coming in and then leaving right away that smoke never sits on the coffee. And so then you get a lot more pure taste of what the actual coffee tastes like versus tasting the roasting process. It's like an overgrown popcorn popper. Yeah. And so then you couple that with the fact that when we do our coffee, we um, roast it and deliver it within two days of uh, being roasted. And so that freshness element is something that people just aren't used to. Um, when you buy something off of a shelf in a grocery store, you know, that coffee's been roasted, transported, gone to a warehouse, sat for how much period of time, got to the shelf, sat for a period of time, got thrown around and beat up. Um, our coffee, it's literally, you know, John adds his love to it. And then uh, it's within two days that we, we roast it, ship it. And a lot of times we're shipping inside of Minnesota and it's being delivered the next day. So within well, two days, or if you're really living in Mankato, we do free local delivery. And so it's like, you know, borderline hours of roasted is when it gets delivered. My sources tell me that one of my favorites, the Perfectus blend, is a uh, John Michaels concoction. So I don't you know, want to give him too much credit, but I do love that. And the Mikado is fantastic. And I think, can one of you two share the, the Mikado is maybe, was that like the original name of Mankato? Or there's some story there with the Mikado, isn't there? 
it's an error in the, I guess, transliteration of the, I think was it uh, Sioux or Ojibwe? I can't remember who was actually running the area, but uh, yeah, the, an H was turned into an N, and the rest of us have been mispronouncing it ever since. <laughs> yeah, they, they they blame it on a on a um, not so detailed typist up at the state of Minnesota. Uh, when they typed in the name Makato, they just didn't have that top part of the H really long enough, so that H got converted to an N, and we are now Mankato. But as far so. as I understand, it's the, the name for the confluence of the Blue Earth and Minnesota rivers as we know them today. The beauty of Minnesota sports chat, if it's not a Minnesota sports factoid, you'll learn something. You just got some deep Mankato history right there. I do want to give you guys a plug for a couple things. You have that trailer that I know you take all around, and people can have that Maybe they can bring it to their business or maybe it's some type of even maybe they want to do a fundraiser with it. But you guys also partner with fundraisers as well. So I want you to be able to to promote that as well, because one thing my main nine to five job is very big on, as well as myself, is giving back and doing good service. And I know you guys are are a part of that as well. Yeah. And that's something that's gone over really well around here, especially on that um, employee appreciation uh, events. Um, it's really a good way to go and start off a Monday um, with your crew as you go and basically <laughs> have the coffee uh, trailer go and show up. And all of a sudden, everybody's in a lot better mood to go and start that Monday off than they might have otherwise been. I know if somebody gives me free coffee or free anything, I'm instantly a lot happier no matter no matter what I'm doing. Uh, John and Clay, recap. You got the big store opening coming up here very shortly. Uh, just, again, remind people where it's at and maybe uh, – just how to learn more about that. I'm assuming at the at the website, they'll be able to find more here shortly. Yeah, so uh, again, physical address, 229 Belgrade Avenue in North Mankato. So think of the downtown area of North Mankato, that's where we're, we are at. We do not have a set opening date um, quite yet. We are in the throes of getting people hired, but so far we've got about five or six baristas hired. Now we gotta get them uh, trained and actually know what they're all doing. So we can go and put out the copy like we like to have put out. We will be, um, the best place to go and kind of keep tabs of when uh, the shop is open. Um, if you're on our email group, we'll send a blast out there on our website. Otherwise, uh, Facebook would be a great spot too. Social media. Yep. And the website is coffeebybeans.com or uh, a redirect from beanscoffeecompany.com. Love it. Gentlemen, thank you so much for doing this. And also thank you for supporting this endeavor of mine. I really appreciate it. And I, I, I'm sorry, I missed the opportunity to match. That's totally my fault. But you two look sharp for those watching on YouTube. So it's thank okay. you very much. In the back door, you can wear it then. And we'll make perfect. sure to perfect this on brew for you. Trust me, you guys are in trouble if I'm if I'm back there as a barista. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants that, nor do we need that. Thank you both very much. Really appreciate it. Thank, thank you for us. having us. It's been a pleasure. Again, the website, coffeebybeans.com. That's coffeebybeans.com, promo code SPORTSCHAT.